Welcome to Hillcrest Chapel Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Well, uh, I'm hanging out with a group of like five worship team members at this musty building, big room, the drop-in center of the Lighthouse Mission. About 50 people there, various ages, ethnicities, genders, and numbers of teeth. And we're all kind of trying to have a worship service together. So I'm leading, you know, the first opening prayer, as I usually do. We go out there about once a month. But this time, something unusual happens. All of a sudden, my prayer gets interrupted by this man hollering and this clamor. I hear this, hey, what the bleepity bleep did that for? Like, what? And I open my eyes and I see towards the back of the room, there's a man who's definitely inebriated, and he's an older guy who's, who's hollering up at this other guy who he says has hit him, and I want you to call the cops on this bleep and bleep. And I'm like, um, well, you know, I've led worship in a lot of contexts, but I, I got to admit, this was new, and I don't got a clue what to do. Well, so thankfully, another guy helps me out, a guy, he's similar build to me, only plus 30 pounds of muscle and about two inches of height. He says, shut up, you bleeping old man. Wow. Okay. The, the man is not used to be talking to like that. And he's like, I ain't having it. What? You want a piece of me? And now it's getting serious. Let's call him Gaston over here. He, he stands up and he's like, bring it on, old man. I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't know what to do. I got the mic. Nobody's doing anything. And so I'm like, this is a place of peace. This is a place of peace. Ed's back behind me. He starts praying. I'm like, yes, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you know. And he walks right up to that guy, nose to chin. He's like. And Gaston is sitting there like just daring him to flinch. There's this moment, pause. And then the elderly man steps back. I'm like, whew. Ed whispers, I think we should sing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think we should. And off we go. Wow. You know, we're going there again tomorrow. You're all welcome to come. We go on a weekly basis. A monthly basis. And yeah, come and be part of it. It doesn't usually get that crazy. But Jesus is always at work there. Now, people of Jesus' time did not like him hanging out with the likes of these. In fact, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they, they thought that it was because of this riffraff, these trailer trash people, that the kingdom of God wasn't coming in Israel. Well, today we're continuing in this sermon series, The Stories of the Kingdom. And as we, as we look at today's parable, which is the prodigal son, we're going to draw out some of these themes of how Jesus interacted with people and how we are to interact with them. 
Turn with me in your Bibles, if you have one, to Luke 15. Or you, if you have a Bible app, or you're welcome to follow along on the screen. And we'll highlight just a few important contextual verses before diving into that parable itself. Starting here in verse 1, listen to what he says about the context. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Okay, so you see that picture, these people in close, they're listening. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, everybody mutter with me, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. The religious folks, they can't stand that Jesus would be sharing stories of the kingdom with the likes of these, you know, these IRS agents and these people who are just sex addicts and, and con artists. They don't belong. What's he doing? And then to eat with them, it's even worse. So Jesus tells them three parables to validate his unorthodox approach to people and to show that his approach is really God's approach. We'll skip down to the third parable, starting in verse 11. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now this may not sound like a huge deal to us, but to the people of Jesus' day, it would have sounded like this. Dad, give me the share of my estate, which as second born would be one third of everything you have. I'll start with the red Pontiac solstice. I'm going to hawk the golf clubs in the back, so don't worry about those. And then leave. I want the ATV to attach with the yellow sweet um, four-wheeler and the two North Face tents, yep, and $300,000 cash. Now, not when you die. Can you imagine? That's unthinkable. That's what the shock and... and the scorn that these people or the listeners are feeling as they hear Jesus continue to relate how the father acquiesces, lets his son go and heads, heads out of town on a road trip in his Pontiac, stops by a couple clubs, do the dab. He's checking out the casino, spending the wad. He's bungee jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. I mean, he is living it up until it's all gone. Every last cent spent. Famine comes. He hits rock bottom. He's out feeding pigs. Big no-no for the Jews. Jump down to verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Theologians will say that this is where the son repented. He did turn around and start heading for home. But could it also be that he was still just looking out for number one? 
mean, was he heading home just to get a food for his stomach? To, to get his life back on track because he knew he could? In preparation for this sermon, Tim lent me this great book called The Cross and the Prodigal. And man, I was eating it up. So enjoyable, so filled with wonderful nuances about this story. And in it, the author, who's an expert on Middle Eastern culture, claims that this son expressed no remorse. Only a desire to eat. He did not say, I shamed my father or my family, or I caused my father deep pain and anguish. For 1,800 years, Arabic and Syriac versions have never used language in this text that implies repentance. Bailey, the author, could be wrong, but... Will you follow me in this line of reasoning and, and see where it leads? Here's why it's important. Jesus was eating with prostitutes and tax collectors, right? He was making them feel as though they belonged with him. But had they repented? Had they come to believe that he was the Messiah and his forgiveness of them? Had they become like him? Or were they hanging out with him to some degree just to fill their spiritual, emotional, social appetites? I've got three words to highlight this morning. And those are belong, believe, and become. Their order is very important. For the Pharisees, you first belonged. No, 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 I'm sorry. For the, for the Pharisees, you first become. You, you need to dress right, talk right, worship right, listen to the right Christian radio station in order to be able to belong. You also need to believe right. You need to have your doctrine all lined up theologically. You need to be right on in order to belong. But Jesus seems to reverse that. He seems to say, I'm going to hang out with these people and give them a sense of belonging, even though they're very much missing the point. They don't believe yet. And they certainly haven't become. That's a really different way of being, of being the church. Let's read on and see if the rest of the story can help us to, to keep moving in this direction. He says, but while he was still a long way off, this son, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Notice he doesn't put the last part in there anymore. Make me a hired man. But the father said to his servants, quick, 
Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. I absolutely love this part. I love what it says about our God, our Father. Think about him. I just envision him every day waking up, scanning the horizon. Is my son coming back? Waiting. Keep feeding the, the calf. Keep feeding that. Even, even during a famine. Because my son might return. And then one day. Wait, is that, is that him on, on the horizon? He, he's limping and he's emaciated. But I swear, that's my boy. And he doesn't just walk all stately-like like elders are supposed to do in that time. No, he hikes up his robe, tucks it in, and hauls down there. The word for, that, for what he did is the same word they use in the Colosseum races, foot races. He's sprinting top speed. Whoa, he hasn't run this fast in ages. He gets there, dives on him, grabs him in a bear hug, and kisses him multiple times is what the text tells us in, in the original. Wow, that is some love. Now, the son has come back. He hasn't become anything different, right? He doesn't have anything good to show for his life. And and the author Bailey would say he didn't even believe. But when, when he came into the presence of God... When God loved him first, his father loved him first, he responded to the father's love. When he was surrounded in this bear hug, he suddenly got it. Oh my goodness. I've ripped my father's heart out. I'm so sorry. I don't deserve to be called your son. I've done terrible things. For the first time, he understood and and felt in his soul the kind of broken person he was. Then he had no way to fix it. He knew that. He couldn't just be a hired servant, but he couldn't be his son either. This contrite posture allows the father to fix it. He forgives without a big guilt trip. No, instead, he throws this massive party, throws on the barbecue, Ribs, filet mignon, it's on the house to showcase his generous, incredible love and grace. What a kingdom story. You know, kingdom stories like this are happening all over the world every day. And right now we get to hear another one of those from one of our family members. I'm going to invite up. Katie and Peter Duane, come on up, you guys. They're in process of going to Mozambique. They're racing there to bring hope to the people of that country. They're going to use, in particular, farming practices that are, that are excellent and will produce crops like the ones on the left instead of the ones on the right. I can't wait to hear about it, what happens as they go there and bring the kingdom. But first, they had to learn the language, which took them to Portugal. Portugal, And so, in my limited Portuguese, I say, Bom dia, família. 
had to look on Google for that. <laughs> Obrigado, Carla. <laughs> All right. Bom dia, família. Bom dia, Hillcrest. Um, somos gratos para vocês e uh, o nosso tempo aqui e que nós podemos estar com vocês. Allow me to translate. You probably heard the word Hillcrest in there. But he just said, good morning, and we're thankful for all of you and for this opportunity to share with you this morning. So uh, we spent a year in Portugal over this last year learning Portuguese. And one opportunity that we had and one story that we saw was of a young man named Philippe. And he's the guy up there in the center. And this was a big... Um, party that we had for him um, when he was actually coming to the States. But um, you can see that he, he is a bit different as far as um, he is Portuguese. He's the one there with the, in the center, and he is Portuguese. But he looks a little bit different than the, uh, the Portuguese. He's actually fully Chinese. But he was born and raised in Portugal. And so... He grew up in a place where um, the, the Portuguese, um, well, he grew up in a place where he was different, and he never really felt that he belonged where, um, in the place that he grew up, um, even though he knew the language, even though he acted uh, exactly like everyone else, all of his friends um, still kind of, and people that he met still kind of saw him as an outsider and just because of the way that he looked. Yeah, so we met Philippe at an English club outreach that our church put on that we were part of in Portugal. And it was a place where university students could come and practice their English with native speakers. So we started coming to that and um, quickly found a new friend group and community there. Um, and we had started doing kind of family dinner nights at the church where anybody could come and feel welcome, whether they were the part of the church or not. And we would have a discussion topic along with a family meal. So we'd talk about things like, uh, what does the Bible say about women's rights? What, is, um, what are some scientific discoveries that are challenging atheism? And issues that were um, intriguing and important to university students where they could come and ask questions and not be afraid to even challenge what they maybe heard growing up in church. And so we started coming um, every week to those and then started coming to church on Sundays and joined a board game club with uh, Peter and our pastor at our church. So he was getting very involved and this whole time wasn't committed to following Jesus but um, was feeling drawn to explore who he was more but felt very comfortable and at home with this community of people who loved God. So we were really thankful that he was willing to come, and um, he became a part of our community, and we really uh, tried to love on him and have good conversation, you know, going to and from board game nights and things like that, and just try to facilitate good conversation and talk about big topics. Um, and he, we, we had the opportunity to do something for him that he had never done before. He, we were able to have this party, which was a going-away party, coming back to the States, or not coming back, but coming to the States, and we had a little guide for him of how to, how to survive the U.S. <laughs> like, for instance, don't try and do the typical Portuguese greeting of kissing everyone, um, <laughs> and <laughs> things like that. Um, and so 
it was it, it was a huge opportunity to be able to reach out to him in this way and really make him feel welcome. Um, at this point in time, he is in the U.S. and thankfully he he looks forward to going back and um, and spending time with the church community that's there that really had the opportunity to love on him. So, that's Thanks, you guys. Let's give them a hand. It's a story of the kingdom that's in process right there, right? And, and Peter and Katie, they're on their way to an, a whole other continent where there's going to be more kingdom stories to come. Well, back into this story, it gets worse before it gets better. The older son hears the bass thumping at the house. <laughs> he smells the barbecue. He finds out his punk brother is home and dad threw this massive block party. And what in the world? Verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Notice that just as the father was gentle with the younger son, so too, he isn't harsh with this Pharisee kind of son. He's pleading with them. He wants him in the family as well, even though he's estranged. Verse 29, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice he can't even call him his brother, who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you killed the fat calf for him. He's furious. So this son, representing the Pharisees, and maybe us at times, has become all the right things, right? He, he dresses right, he follows the right directions, he knows his dad is boss, he believes the right things and being moral, but he has never had the sense of belonging. He hasn't been wrapped in the Father's embrace, even though he lives with him. Life for him is drudgery, servanthood. I wonder how many of us as Christians experience that feeling sometimes. The Christianity is like a to-do list. We have no idea how we've been loved. The father's response to all of the son's fuming and inflammatory accusations, it's so gentle and tender and gracious. Listen to what he says. My son, and the word there in Greek is, is really more for this tenderness. It's different from all the other times that the word son is used there. It's more like my dear son. You are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this son of yours, this brother of yours, notice he doesn't say son of mine, brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Church, the father is still looking on the horizon for those who are wandering longing for them to turn back towards home, just waiting to run towards them and wrap them in his embrace. He's still leaving the party 
to go and plead with that estranged other brethren. I wonder, who do you resonate with in this story this morning? Does the story of this younger brother dressed in rags, hitting the bottom, does that sound like maybe where you've been? You come in here and with this hope that maybe you'd find a little soul food, but instead you're getting the sense God is running towards you to wrap his arms around you and embrace you, say welcome. What if you just joined with the younger brother and said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, your child. I guarantee you what you will hear back from him is quick. Bring the best robe and put it on that child. Let's call a celebration for this child of mine was dead and is alive again. Perhaps you find yourself resonating more with the older brother. Have you been doing the right thing for years, but not really experiencing that ex- excitement of, of knowing the Father's embrace? Did you wake up for church this morning and even go, church, should I go? I guess I should. Do you look at the homeless people on the side of the road and be like, Ugh, go away person you work with who keeps using Jesus' name as a swear word. Like, you know, honestly, I've experienced a good bit of this over the years in my Christian journey, this heaviness, this emptiness. Sometimes I'm out on the disc golf course with my group of guys that I play with, and I, I just wish I could just be like them and just have fun and not be thinking about their spiritual peril. Just throw the disc, man. Perhaps what we would need to hear from the Father this morning is, My dear child, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. You belong to me. Perhaps instead of either son, you find yourself resonating with the heart of the father who's gazing longingly at the horizon for the broken of Bellingham to come back. You're filled with his compassion, wanting to run towards him and give some big hugs. This is the direction Hillcrest is headed. I see us becoming a church more and more that is allowing people to belong, to find a sense of belonging here, that they, they are welcome. They're not going to come here and be judged if they look differently, if they talk differently, if they, if they don't believe how we believe. They're still going to be welcome in our midst and, and be an, allowed to grow and to ask questions with the hope eventually that they will believe and become. I'm excited about more people being sent out on mission like Peter and Katie here. 
people getting excited about the mission of Jesus here locally, saying, yeah, I'm going to go to the Lighthouse Mission. I want to be part of it, what God's doing. I'm really excited about Christian coming here in a month to join us in this mission, because this is his heart. And I believe we're going to see and hear many more stories of the kingdom in days ahead. And yes, it's going to be uncomfortable at times. It's going to be uncomfortable at times, church, because we aren't going to all believe the same thing. And we're not going to all look the same and smell the same and talk the same. But people are going to be welcome to belong here. And hear me loud and clear, there will still be a distinction between those who choose to fully belong to Jesus, to believe in Him, and to become like Him. That's called the body of Christ. Others will simply for a time belong in our midst and feel welcome here. The hope is that as people gather and spend time with us, they listen and, and ask the questions about Jesus. They find out that the Father is really wanting to wrap them in an embrace. That they're going to start to believe and start to move towards Him. And it's going to become more and more of a celebration. The party is going to be heard from outside. And more people are going to be hearing the bass drop. And they're going to be feeling this thump and this bump of sound that sounds like celebration. And they're going to be smelling the barbecue and whoa, something's going on there. And then it's going to be like we're going to be jumping up and we're going to be pumping up the volume, letting the bass drop, and we're going to be saying, we have to celebrate. We have to celebrate and be glad because these brothers and sisters of yours they were dead, but they're alive again. Woo! That is something to be excited about. They were lost and they're now found. We can celebrate and party with you. Woo! Will you stand up? We're going to let the music fade. But we're going to pray into this and believe for what God is doing. That he would extend his grace all over the kingdom. The worship team will come up as we pray. Lord, you are into celebration. We love it that you are one who throws parties. You're so gracious. You're so forgiving. We love it that Jesus told this story to represent how he lived and how he, he looked at people. He wanted us to understand his ministry and your heart. Oh God, would you help us to not be Pharisaic? Would you help us not to be ones who try to separate, but to, to be ones who would say, welcome, be with us, learn about this Jesus in our midst, that many more would belong to you in the way of sons and daughters, that many would become part of the body of Christ and would strengthen your work in all the world for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Chapel. For more info on this and other sermons, go online to hillcrestchapel.com or visit us at 14.
1500 Larrabee Ave in Bellingham, Washington, any Sunday morning, 9 or 11 a.m.